As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa, and on this podcast, we focus on wellness, beauty, style, planning, and life. Basically, life is messy, and here we learn to live well anyway. So join me on this journey as we figure it out together. And just to get us started, I'll go first. And you guys know that I have been dealing with trauma and healing from trauma for a lot of years. I've got a lot of experience now under my belt after these four years of really working through the process, trying a lot of different therapies and modalities to help me get through my PTSD and all sorts of things from the trauma that I have experienced in my life. And so when I got the email for this guest and she told me what she knows and what she's learned about and researched and what she has to share, I thought, mm-hmm, this is something that I get a lot of questions from you guys about. What are the different ways that you can get help for healing trauma? And Jessie Beyer has done a lot of that legwork. She has a great book all about it. And we are going to kind of like deep dive very quickly into a whole bunch of different modalities today for helping people deal with trauma. Now, whether you have dealt with trauma or not, which I would say that kind of all of us have dealt with trauma during the last couple of years of pandemic life, but whether you feel like you need it or not, you probably know somebody who could benefit from this episode. And so I would say just give it a listen, see if anything resonates with you. And if you've just been curious about these different kinds of therapies and whatnot, we go into all of it today. I talk about my experiences with a lot of them. Jesse talks about the science behind them and how they all work. It's a jam-packed episode. We move quickly, but I would love to hear what you think of this episode and how you think it could be impactful in your life. So if you want to get a hold of me, I would love to hear from you. On Instagram is probably one of the very best places to get a hold of me. You can find me at Mackenzie Coppa over there. Slip into my DMs. You can even send me a video message and I will video message you back and we can start a conversation. What have you gone through? Is this episode helpful? And what kinds of episodes would be more helpful to you in the future on the show? Let me know. I'm all ears. I love being able to talk with you guys and see how this podcast can be serving you better all the time. All right, let's get into the meat of this episode though with Jesse Beyer talking all about healing from trauma. Jesse, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, so I have a lot of emails come across my desk from people who are wanting to be on my show. And, you know, I think that's standard for a podcaster, but 
it's way more people than I could ever for one fit on the show. And a lot of them, it's just not a good fit. And a lot of them, I don't do a very good job of getting back to if we're just going to be really honest. And so I had gotten an email from you and just in the craziness of life, I saw it and I was like, Ooh, actually, I think I might want to have her on the show. And then I, of course, didn't respond. And you got to the point where you're like, can you let me know like why you didn't want to have me on the show? I was like, wait, no, I actually do. Guess what? Surprise. Um, Because I think that what you have to offer and this topic that we're going to talk about today, you know, I think probably four years ago, I would have maybe said this was more like a niche topic talking about people dealing with trauma. But now after these last two years of COVID and the world burning down. (laughs) I think everybody is dealing with trauma and we all have a certain level of it that we need to talk about. And so I'm so excited to just really deep dive and explore this topic a little bit more with you today. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. And regarding the emails, honestly, I get it. I mean, I'm not a podcast (laughs) host, but I too get so many emails and then it's like, oh my God, I meant to reply to you like a month ago. And then I totally spaced. So no big deal on that. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, I mean, these past two years have just been absolutely insane. And I was telling you before we started that I think one of the great things of COVID is that people are starting to become aware of mental health and they're like, oh, this isn't something I can just shove under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. I actually have to pay attention to this. And so I think this is going to be a great conversation to really, you know, help people feel a little bit better about the fact that they're struggling and understand how they can actually deal with that and heal from that, as opposed to just kind of shouldering it and pushing through. I completely agree. I think it's done wonders for destigmatizing, like the ideas of counseling or actually facing up to the stuff that we're dealing with, because we've just been pushed to such a point that you can't ignore it. Like you have to do something about it. And so I would love though, as we set the baseline for what we're even talking about today, would you just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us kind of like how you got into the trauma space and where you're coming from with all of this? Yeah, absolutely. So I am an author of a book called How to Heal, which I'm sure we're going to talk some about today, and also a speaker on the topic of mental health. And like so many people who work in the mental health space, my journey really started with my own mental health struggles. So I was in high school when that really started. And I kind of, you know, I I ran the gamut. I was struggling with depression and anxiety and self-harm and body dysmorphia and suicidal ideation and kind of everything that a high schooler could really deal with at that time. And in addition to that, I was also in a relationship with someone who is really struggling with his mental health. Hmm. Now at that time, I really just felt like I was responsible for him. So whatever he wanted, whatever he needed to keep him happy or what I thought would keep him happy, I was willing to do. So essentially I was his doormat. If there was someone he needed to talk to at three in the morning, I was the one that would stay up all night. If there was someone that he needed to be close to in a physical intimacy standpoint, I was the one that would, you know, kind of lay down and let that happen. And obviously that's not really a great way to have a relationship, but I, you know, I felt really important in a way. And I felt really valued. Like I had this job and this mission to keep this boy alive. And the only thing that I asked him to do, the only promise I asked from him was that if he did decide to take his own life, he would give me a hug first. And that really served two purposes. One was that I would know, right. And I could do something to stop it. But the other was so that if I didn't choose to stop it, or if I couldn't stop it, that I could be there with him through that moment. So it was the spring of my junior year of high school. I had just gotten home from track practice and I got a text from him that said, can you come over and say goodbye? Jumped in my car, 
Yeah. Yeah. And jumped in my car. I was speeding over to his house. Pretty sure I broke about 17 traffic laws. <laughs> uh, and I did end up calling the police on the way, which, you know, is an interesting situation that was because on one hand, I'm so thankful they were there because I truly think that whole situation did save his life. But on the other hand, I felt incredibly disrespected by the police officers that were there. Mm. They were asking insensitive and frankly irrelevant questions about my sexual history with this partner, which was none. Um, and we're also, you know, kind of uh, brushing off my concerns that he was about to take his own life and just really not understanding the seriousness of this event. So that night happened and it went about as you'd expect. He was led out of the house in handcuffs and he was taken oh. to involuntary psychiatric hold. Um, and that night, as I'm sure you can imagine, was really, really traumatic for me and for him, I'm sure as well. But that was kind of the pinnacle or the capstone moment of my mental health journey. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could say that it got so much better after that. But yeah. I definitely continued to struggle for years after that. You know, it's not something that you just survive and you check that box in that relationship and you're like, <clears throat> OK, we're good. We're done. We don't have to think about this anymore. Yeah. It doesn't work like that, as I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. So I did I did end up going to one day of therapy and I was just so uncomfortable with it. I felt like a number or a checkbox or it just really kind of dehumanized from that process. And I literally I kid you not, I ran out of the building and I never went back. So wow. my whole healing journey was really done on my own. And I did it. I mean, I'm sitting here on the other side today, but I truly believe that my journey would have been so much smoother and easier if I had that level of professional support, but yeah. I knew talk therapy, talk therapy wasn't going to cut it. Mm -hmm. So I got into college and started learning more about psychology. It's what I studied um, and different types of therapy that were out there. Things like ecotherapy and equine assisted therapy and so many others. And my jaw literally hit the floor. I was like, there are other options besides. Yeah. I thought that was it. I didn't know there was anything else out there. And when I realized that, I was like, okay, I cannot keep this information to myself because this is something that literally can save people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I was that kid that was kind of writing all the time. I wrote little picture books and essays and all that stuff. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book. So I wrote the book. I put it together. I interviewed so many incredible therapists that I wish I had known when I was struggling uh, and, and read a bunch of published studies and really just put it together in a way that is not a bunch of psychobabble that is really difficult to understand. It's something mm -hmm. that's very approachable and really just anyone on the street could read and understand how they could find a path to trauma healing. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at today. So my book is out. I'm so excited to say that it's reached thousands of trauma survivors in almost a dozen different countries. Wow. I've spoken a lot about trauma and mental health. And that's really just my jam is helping people not only find a path to healing that works for them, but understand that it's okay to heal and it's okay to get support along that process as well. Yeah, I well, I think it's so important. I mean, even just from my experience, you know, coming out of an abusive relationship, having PTSD from that, having to walk through it. And, and for my kids though, I know that they have experienced a lot of that trauma as well. They haven't been able to access resources in the same way because they don't have that freedom within the parenting plan structure. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's like, getting resources for myself has been so helpful, but being able to somehow help them because they can't get, you know, professional services. It's, it's a hard burden to be able to walk through, but I thought it was interesting what you were saying, because while I do go to a counselor, I have great access to her and she's amazing. She said very much the same thing that you're saying, like talk therapy, isn't going to cut it. <laughs> 
<laughs> like mm-hmm. we have had to do EMDR and other things like that to try to get to the sources of those trauma, because she's like, you come in here and you've already thought through everything you've talked through it yourself. You're just like telling me what you figured out. And that's not actually having an impact on your triggers. We have to go deeper than that in order to have actual healing. And that can feel really intimidating and really hard. And so I'm so excited to just hear like what you have learned. And I know you talked about, there's like nine different natural and integrative therapies that you have discovered that are helpful for trauma. And I would love to be able to just chat about those today. And even like you were saying to maybe like even define better for people what trauma really is. All right, ladies, let's take a couple of minutes to talk about hormones. One of our favorite subjects, right? I know it can be a real bummer because we have a lot of hormonal fluctuations in our life. Everything from our cycle that spans 28 days, unlike a man whose hormones recycle every 24 hours, we've got constant fluctuations and also throughout our life with premenopause and menopause and everything. And it can really wear on our systems and our bodies and our brains. And sometimes you just want a solution that helps you to be able to to kind of regulate everything out and not have a bunch of hormones that you're taking. And that's why I want to tell you about Bonafide, a new sponsor of the podcast. Basically, Bonafide is a company providing natural solutions for perfectly natural symptoms. Bonafide was created to give women an alternative to effectively relieve the symptoms that accompany hormonal fluctuations within their body because every woman deserves relief without compromise. Bonafide has a gamut of products that you can choose from, dealing with all kinds of symptoms from vaginal dryness to menopausal hot flashes and night sweats, vaginal itching and discharge and PMS. I mean, let's just be real about it. These are things that women deal with. We shouldn't have to feel ashamed about it, and we should be able to access resources that are actually going to help. And Bonafide has done the work. The ingredients in every Bonafide product are the result of thorough research, development, and clinical trials resulting in every product being scientifically validated. Safety is their top priority. All products are made with safe yet powerful ingredients ingredients that are completely free from hormones and without alarming side effects. And their products are recommended by over 8,100 doctors across the country. Over 33,000 women have used Bonafide products and found help from them because they are just that good. It's a non-prescription solution that treats women's health issues using ingredients from nature as often as they possibly can to maximize the effectiveness and relief. And they're constantly coming out with new products. So give Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. Real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use my promo code LIVEWELL. That's hellobonafide.com and code LIVEWELL. That's L-I-V-W-E-L-L for 20% off at checkout. And you can also find this link in today's show notes. Thank you to Bonafide for sponsoring Live Well Anyway. Yeah, I think that's a really good place to start because trauma and PTSD are so very different from other types of mental illnesses like depression or bipolar disorder. I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but just trauma has something that's very unique about it. And that Mm -hmm. is the somatic component. 
trauma by definition, and the DSM, the Diagnostic Manual for Psychological Practitioners, might slightly disagree with me, but in general, the way that trauma is defined is that it is an event that sticks with you. And the way that it sticks with you is not in a memory, but in literal energy that is stuck in your body. Mm -hmm. And therefore you can't talk your way to bodily healing. Like those are two separate things, right? Talk therapy is going on in your brain, in your prefrontal cortex. And it's great. Like you said, I have a talk therapist now. She's amazing. You have a talk therapist. She's amazing. But there's that other level that needs to be talked about as well and looked at. And that Mm -hmm. is that bodily component. And so that is more visceral. It's deeper. It's in the body. It's held in the body. It's stuck in the body. And that's what makes trauma different with depression. Here, I just want to interject one thing, because I think that this is really important to focus on for a second, because if you have not experienced that level of trauma or you don't have PTSD, I think from the outside looking in, it can be very difficult to understand because I, I consider myself to be a pretty logical person. I can talk through all of this stuff in my head and know that a situation is safe or a situation is like nothing is going to happen to me. And that still does not change the way that my body literally responds to the trigger. Like I can be triggered in a situation and, you know, let's say my boyfriend, he's like, whoa, a switch just flipped. And it doesn't seem to matter like what we say, like you're, you're gone. And that is, I think for people who haven't experienced that, it can seem like, why can't you just get it together? Or like, why can't you just, you know, switch the, or flip the switch back? Like it is a, such a bodily response that I don't think most people understand. Mm-hmm. That's so good that you brought that up. And just to give another example, like, so this is a whole nother thing, but after my book came out, my boyfriend from high school actually tried to sue me over that, which is oh. a whole nother thing. But when I was communicating with his lawyer, I was in bed. I had hot chocolate. My dog was snuggling me. Like it was just this epitome of comfort and coziness. And yet I was having such a visceral response. Mm -hmm. My entire body was almost convulsing with how hard I was shaking. I felt sick to my stomach. I couldn't form words. And again, I'm a logical person too. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm in my bedroom. He's on the other side of the country. He cannot hurt me. He can't touch me. He can't get anywhere near me right now. And yet my body is sending off all these alarms of like, you're in danger, you're in danger, you're in danger. That's what trauma is. (laughs) And that can be exactly like you were saying, that can be so difficult to understand when it's like, Jess, you're in your bedroom. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing unsafe about this. And it's like, yeah, but my body doesn't understand that. It doesn't get that yet. Yeah. You can literally feel it. And that's been something for me going through EMDR therapy because it like, and why it's so intimidating because you have to like go there. You have to feel it in order to get your brain to kind of file things away in the right places. But it, it is such a, my counselor will ask me like, well, where do you feel it in your body? I can feel it in my chest. My heart rate spikes. Like even recently, as I've been going through more stress and like that kind of has been coming to the surface more, I went back and I looked at my heart rates on my Apple watch from like the last six months. I was like, Whoa, like I've been spiking some serious heart rates. (laughs) What is going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's crazy. And that's such a good question that she asked about, you know, where do you feel it in your body? And that's actually a spot we can dive into some of those therapies if that's the direction yeah, you want to go yeah. in next. Yeah. 
So we'll start with dance movement therapy and EMDR because those are two of the ones that I talk about in my book. And those are two of the ones that we've kind of talked about here. But dance movement therapy, that is the question that is asked in dance movement therapy. Now, for people that don't know dance movement therapy, it's not dance. You're not going to be asked to like tango across the room in order to heal from trauma. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. You don't have to be an artist in order to go yeah. to this therapy. But it's all about listening to your body and understanding how your body wants to naturally move without you trying to counteract it or logic through it or anything like that in order for you to move in a way that you inherently know that you need to. So for example, when I went to dance movement therapy, I was just sitting there looking at the therapist and she's like, okay, so tell me something that you feel in your body. And I'm like, well, my shoulder's kind of sore because I was shoveling snow yesterday. I was in Minnesota, so a lot of snow. Yeah. Uh, shoveling snow yesterday. And you know, I have a bit of a shoulder injury. It's sore from swimming the day before, blah, blah, blah. And as I'm sitting there, I'm kind of massaging my shoulder out with my other hand because it is tight and it is hurting a little bit. And she's like, okay, so what if you don't massage it? How does your shoulder want to move? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, just sit there with it and, and see what it does. And I'm like, my shoulder is attached to my body. What do you mean yeah. see what it does? Yeah. But I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll go with it for a second. So as I'm sitting there, I just close my eyes and just breathe. And my shoulder starts to inch up towards my neck. And then as it keeps inching up towards my neck, my arms kind of start to fold over my chest. And over the course of a couple minutes, I end up in this very almost curled up protective position, which is like, what the heck? We started with my, my shoulder is sore from shoveling snow. And mm -hmm. now I'm curled up in this ball. And this is a gateway to talking about, you know, protection and safety and all of these other things that came up with my story. So that's an example of what dance movement therapy can look like. Again, it's about honoring what your body already knows because every mm -hmm. body speaks. And I think when we sit here and we try to talk about our trauma or talk about the things that are wrong with us, we can't find the words, not only because trauma is so painful, but because it is so somatic, we can't sit here and accurately describe, well, I'm a 7.5 on the fear scale yeah, today. Like yeah. we can't do that. And so when we listen to our bodies and allow our bodies to move in the way that it knows it needs in order to heal, that can be that catalyst for not only the somatic release of trauma, but opening that gateway to more of the psychological component as well. So yeah. that's dance movement therapy. It can be very uncomfortable as can all these therapies, but I think it's so powerful just again, because you're really bringing in that somatic component. And then EMDR is another one that is super, super powerful. And I think of the therapies that are in my book, it's the most common one. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And if you know anything about it, you probably know that you sit there in front of your therapist and your therapist waves their hand back and forth in front of your face or asks you to move your eyes back and forth across the room. And the technical term for that is bilateral stimulation, because when something crosses the center plane of your vision, whether it's just your eyes moving back and forth or the therapist's hand, that is stimulating both sides of your brain. Mm -hmm. Now, not to get too neurosciencey with this, but <laughs> when I, I love this, I nerd out about this stuff all yeah. the time, but when a trauma is occurring, your brain is dumping a ton of cortisol into your system. That's your stress yeah. hormone. Your brain is just shooting that stuff like it's coming out of a water gun. And so the amount of cortisol in your body during a traumatic event is actually toxic to your hippocampus. And the hippocampus is the part of your brain that is responsible for encoding your memories, memory and things like that. 
And so what happens is that trauma memories are actually encoded improperly in your brain. So instead of just being like, oh yeah, I was in a car accident or, oh yeah, I was in an abusive relationship or whatever that is, Mm -hmm. the memory is stored with all of the visceral feelings and emotions and sensations attached to it. So you don't just sit there and go, oh yeah, that was the time that my boyfriend tried to kill himself. And yeah, the cops put him in handcuffs. Like you don't do that. You relive it and your body has a difficult time understanding whether it's actually happening now or whether it's just a memory because that memory is encoded improperly. Mm -hmm. So what EMDR does using that bilateral stimulation is it works to recode those memories so that the emotion and the trauma of those memories is no longer attached to the memory. So it just helps it become more of a quote, normal memory, as opposed to one that is so rife with all of these different emotions and struggles. Yeah. Okay, you guys, I've got some questions for you. Have you heard of tretinoin or spironolactone or clindamycin? So I might not be pronouncing all of those correctly, but I can tell you what they do. Tretinoin unclogs pores and even skin tone. Spironolactone targets hormonal acne and clindamycin fights acne-causing bacteria and inflammation. Now, I didn't know really what these were either until we got a prescription for my son to treat his acne from Apostrophe, the sponsor of this episode. Because sometimes your skin just needs that little bit of extra help, that push over the edge to really get it under control, which is exactly what happened for my son when we finally started using Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne, and they truly have for my son. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. You simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, then you snap a few selfies, and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. And along with treating all different kinds of acne, I mean, we're talking about hormonal acne to facial acne, even chest knee, back knee, butt knee. Yes, that was in the copy. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it, you guys. They take care of all of your breakouts from head to toe, but they also help you take care of things like redness and wrinkles and sunspots. They really help you with it all because they have actual dermatologists. You guys have heard me talk about it before, but we have loved our experience with apostrophe. It was so simple to have my son do it. I didn't have to take him out of school and take him into the doctor. It really made a huge difference to just be able to get it out of the way all online. We were sent his prescription incredibly quickly and it has worked. His skin has done a complete 180 and you would be amazed that for a 15-year-old boy, his skin actually looks mostly clean. He doesn't have any sort of scarring or acne issues that we've had to deal with because we really caught it before it got too terribly bad and we have loved the results. And I have a special deal for my audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash live well when you use my code live well. This code is only available to my listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash live well and click begin visit. Then use my code livewell at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash livewell and use that code livewell to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. And I just want to thank Apostrophe for sponsoring Live Well Anyway. 
But in order to do that, like when I have done it, I actually, it's kind of cool. She gave me the choice whether I could like look at lights that would go back and forth or if I um, wanted to hold buzzers in my hands because Mm -hmm. she said like when you have the buzzers in your hands, your eyes automatically go back and forth. And I just close my eyes because I feel I don't like dealing with my emotions. And so it's easier for me to kind of like check out that way. And I found, you know, like looking back on doing EMDR, especially when I did it very early on and was still pretty like closed off to everything and like, don't like feeling the feelings I would kind of work through it, but not fully go there. Like not fully Mm. let myself feel the anger or the sadness or the fear or whatever it is that is coming up with those emotions. But the couple of times that I've like really, really gone there and really, really done it. I think one, it's been the most effective because I was able to like fully experience all those things. So my brain could recode them properly, but it was also incredibly exhausting. Like I really have to work myself up to being ready to do that because it's a process. Like it is, it is a very, it is deep work that your body and your brain are having to go through. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people think that when they start to heal, you know, they're going to go to therapy and they're going to find a therapist that's perfect for them. And then it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows. And then one day they're going to wake up and they're healed. And in my experience and in the experience of a lot of people that I've spoken to, the healing journey is almost as difficult or in a way, even more so than surviving the trauma itself, because it's Mm -hmm. not fun. It's not easy. You're going to cry and you're going to scream and you're going to pass out for four hours, not literally pass out, but fall asleep for four hours after a therapy session because it's so exhausting. Yeah. And that, like you were saying, that can be so intimidating because you're like, Jesse, I just survived this trauma here. Now you want me to go through all of this again? That makes absolutely no sense, but you have to go into that. You Mm -hmm. have to go deep into that in order to actually heal. And like I tell people, if you're going to go to therapy, if you're going to put in the work to find a therapist, because they are in short supply right now, if you're going to put in that work and you're going to bill your insurance or not bill your insurance, and you're going to go through that whole process and sit down in front of this person go to therapy, yeah. do it, like yeah. go deep with it or else, you know, what's the point of, of being there? Yeah. And I think for me, another thing that was really surprising about the process is, you know, I went to really consistent counseling for like two years after I fled my marriage and was like, okay, like I'm doing okay. Even my counselor was like, okay, I, I'm going to like graduate you now. Like, I, I think you're doing pretty well, but come back if you need me, if something else comes up. And so then about a year later, I was like, oh, hey, guess what? Like (laughs) there's this cyclical approach. Like I've been doing well, but now a whole new set of things have been uncovered and I really needed to go back. And she said, you know, this is very typical. I don't want you to feel like a failure. Like when you were with me before, you were really in that process of just trying to rebuild your life from scratch. Now that has been established for quite a while. Now you're in a relationship now, like all of these new things have come to the table and all of this stuff that you didn't really have to deal with before because you were still sort of in survival mode has now come to the surface to be able to heal on an even deeper level. And I don't think I really realized that was going to happen. I thought it was gonna be like, okay, I deal with it and I'm good, but there's this very cyclical approach as you move through life. If you've been experiencing, if you've experienced trauma, that there are things that are going to come up down the road that you may end up having to deal with 
again. A hundred percent. And not only is it kind of a cyclical process, but it's based on milestones as well, because yeah. when something major changes in your life, depending on your trauma, it'll depend on what these milestones are, but graduating college, uh, getting married, having a kid, getting a pet, losing a spouse, getting divorced, any of these major milestones that occur as you move throughout your life, they might trigger parts of your trauma that you didn't even know you needed to heal. Yeah. yeah. And, and beyond that too, I mean, the older you get, especially for people who are traumatized young and young is a subjective term, but definitely childhood trauma. I would still consider, you know, my traumatic relationship. I was 16, 17. I'd still call that young. Mm -hmm. But when you have those traumas at an age where you are not fully developed yet, yeah. as you get older and as you get more aware of yourself and your life and how the world works, you are going to look at that trauma differently. You're going to uncover different parts of that trauma. And you're also going to have the wherewithal to kind of know how to deal with those parts of trauma. But you're absolutely right. It's not this like one and done, check the box, never have to worry about it again. As things change and you grow, parts of that trauma are going to pop up again. And I mm -hmm. like to look at that as another opportunity to heal yeah. as opposed to, oh my God, I'm a failure. I'm, did I go to all that therapy? It didn't do anything for me. I'm never going to go back again. It's more of, okay. I did all that work in the past. I now have a better base of coping mechanisms and yeah. strategies and resources under my belt. Now I got to go tackle this next level. And it's probably not going to be fun, but I'm yeah. going to do it and I'm going to get it done. And then I'm going to be ready for the next one as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Like it doesn't, and I do base a lot of things in my life, like on the failure scale, like, oh man, I'm not doing it right. But this has, and I think probably because I have a great counselor and she's been awesome, but she really made it clear to me, like, no, this is just like new things, a new level of it that you have to deal with. And I think that's really freeing to be able to step back into it and say, okay, like, I just, I have to do this next thing now. And I think it's also important to remember, like, we all, in, in addition to the traumas we've experienced in the past, there are new traumas and new stressors, you know, that, right. that complicate life. Like you were saying that as we get older, we have better perspective. And, and I think that definitely helps and that, you know, adds into us being able to deal with it and, and grow through it. But there's also new things that happen, you know, it's just like all of us experiencing COVID right before COVID, my brother tragically died, you know, like there's, there's mm. new things that you're always going to end up having to then incorporate into that trauma healing process. A hundred percent. And as another example of that, I mean, COVID, I think I've talked to some people and they're like, okay, yeah, COVID is horrible. I believe that it exists. And it's so sad that so many people have died, but I haven't really been affected by COVID. You know, I don't know anyone. You know, I haven't gotten sick, whatever that is. And just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean that we aren't experiencing a collective trauma as society as oh, a yeah. whole. And as one example of that, there's a woman that I know who years before COVID, this is probably, gosh, six or seven years ago, uh, her son was born with a severe immune disorder and he was in the hospital for probably the first year of his life. And right. they were in the hospital for the first year of his life, locked down, everything had to be super sanitized because they couldn't bring anything into him because of his immune system. Sure. And he got a bone marrow transplant. He's doing awesome now. The family's great. Everything's going great with them. But when COVID hit, I was talking to this mom and she was like, I am so re-traumatized right now because we yeah. are in lockdown. Everything has to be super clean. Like it was just bringing her back to these memories of when her son was in the hospital and yeah. no one that she know has been affected, has been affected by COVID. She hasn't been affected by COVID in terms of getting the disease or dying from it. Yeah. But 
even just those memories of, okay, we're in lockdown. We can't go anywhere. Our support systems are cut off. That can be triggering for so many people too. Oh, absolutely. And I think, and that's really sort of what I mean when I say COVID, us being affected by COVID. It's not just the illness itself. It is all of the social ramifications that we've had, kids not being in school, us not having access to the people that we would normally have in our support system. You know, like I, even just in this past couple of weeks, my daughter ended up getting COVID. She's okay now. And, and none of the rest of us miraculously have ended up getting it so far, knock on wood. Um, but it sent us back into this quarantine state. And during my marriage, I was so isolated. I was, you know, living out in the country, not usually allowed to leave my house very often, just with my kids, didn't have a support system. And the initial panic I had when I found out we were going to be plunged into this quarantine was like, yes, of course I want my daughter to be okay. And I really did think that she would be okay, but it was this panic of, oh my gosh, I'm a single mom. I'm alone. I'm not going to have anyone to support me. Uh, We are completely by ourselves. Like it, it was a different level of trauma. And so, yes, there is the illness component, but we're all dealing to certain ways it has impacted our lives. And I, even Mm -hmm. when I had to go in public with a mask on for the first time, because I had felt so like controlled in my former life and like, I wasn't able to have my own voice. And, you know, for me, like having to put that mask on and go into a store the first time was like, I felt like I was on handmaid's tale. Like I Mm -hmm. was, it was a traumatizing thing. Like I had to call a friend from my car, like hyperventilating (laughs) going, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go in there like this. And of course, like now it's, I've been desensitized to it and we're used to it and everything. But at first it pulled up all of these things for me. And so I think that that's like sort of what I want everyone to acknowledge. Like, yes, there's the fear over the illness itself, but there've been so many other ways that our lives have been impacted beyond just family members or ourselves being actually sick. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, those are great examples, not to like glorify the fact that you were triggered by that, but yeah, there's, there's so many things where it's like, okay, abusive relationship and global pandemic, those things really have nothing to do with each other, but when you put them next to each other, right, there's so many overlaps. And so it really makes you aware of you know, when you're looking at someone who is standing outside the grocery store or sitting in her car, hyperventilating, or like me, who is curled up in bed, shaking, the bed is shaking because I'm shaking so hard because of an email I got. You have to look at these and say, okay, it's not just this grocery trip, or it's not just this email. It's the collection and it's the remembrance. And it's all of these things that are coming up. And it really does, you know, help you look at other people with a little bit more grace and empathy because you don't know what happened to them and you don't know what they're living through. So yeah, COVID has been horrible. No uh, objections to that, but I think there's a lot of really good things in terms of compassion that can come out of it. Yeah. Oh no, I totally agree. I think that, you know, there, there's been a lot of divisiveness through all of this, but for people who are able to say that they are willing to like see things from other people's perspective and have compassion. And just like we were talking about, like acknowledging how important our mental health is because just the isolation that we all went through in the early days of everything being shut down, like it has had an impact on us. And I think it's important to acknowledge that and be able to have grace with Mm -hmm. ourselves and with other people. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I do want to share some of those other therapies because yes, we went yes, through yes. two. Um, man, we could get off on so many tangents. I can just tell that already. So <laughs> I'm going to bring us way back full circle uh, because I think there's a lot of different options out there. And I do want to give people more than just two that yeah, they can absolutely. look at for their own healing. So next one um, that we can talk about is called craniosacral therapy. And craniosacral therapy looks kind of like massage in the sense that you're laying down on a massage table and there's a practitioner there, but it's not massage at all. Actually, what it does is it um, allows the practitioner to find where energy is stuck in the body, usually in areas of fascia or areas of trauma. So for example, I, I don't know if you've done craniosacral therapy or not, but for you coming out of an abusive relationship where you weren't allowed to speak very well, or a trauma or a rape survivor or someone like that, who couldn't scream during the sexual assault, that energy might be stuck in their throat or something mm -hmm. like that. So that's what we're talking about when we're looking at stuck energy. And through the laying on of the hands of the practitioner and applying a very, very small amount of pressure to match the pressure that the body is exerting, it allows that energy to be released from the body. So this is a very, very somatic therapy. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it is used in conjunction with a more talk-based therapy, whether that's standard talk therapy, something like EMDR or one of the other therapies we talk about that do have a talking component. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was really interesting. When I first heard about craniosacral therapy, I was super skeptical. I'm like, yeah. you're going to do what with my what and what is going to happen? This is No, yeah. not at all. So I went, of course, because I have to try it for myself and see what happens. And I didn't go in with any real objective of like trauma healing. I just wanted to see what it was like. And mm -hmm. so for the first like maybe 20 minutes or so, I was just kind of laying there. You know, my eyes were closed, whatever. I was hanging out. And then a couple seconds after those first 20 minutes, I hear her whisper. She's like, okay, we have about five minutes left in the session. And I had completely knocked out like a switch was flipped and I was out for the rest of that session. And what's interesting was I didn't feel anything really after, but I slept like a baby that night. My mm -hmm. dreams are usually very violent, not necessarily in a traumatic way, but there's always some war or combat or kidnapping or something happening in my dreams. None of that happened that night. It was just this peace and calm that just kind of came over my body. And I can only imagine how that would feel after multiple sessions. Cause that was one session, right? Yeah, and that wasn't yeah. even with a trauma objective. It was just a, let's try to debunk this therapy type of perspective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was incredible. So if anyone is looking for something that's very somatic, if they know for a fact that, okay, it, my trauma is absolutely stuck in my throat or in my pelvis or wherever that is, mm -hmm. I'd highly recommend craniosacral therapy. I think that can be really, really powerful over the long term. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And then next, uh, we have mindfulness and meditation, which are super common. I'm assuming a ton of people that listen to your show have done some form of mindfulness or meditation before, mm -hmm. but what's specific about mindfulness and meditation for trauma is that it's not about sitting there and, you know, going home for an hour or however long you want to meditate. It's actually about training your brain like a muscle. So what happens when you're triggered is your brain completely spazzes out and it doesn't know if what's happening in the present is real or if it's a memory and it doesn't think you're safe and it's just firing off all these alarm bells all the time. And the point of mindfulness and meditation is to help your brain come back to the present moment on command. So you don't have to do meditation in the sense of you're sitting there and your eyes are closed and you're still, you can be mindfully washing the dishes. And so every time your mind starts to wander, you just bring it right back to washing the dishes. You can do the same thing with walking your dog or folding the laundry, or you can do an actual meditation. But again, the point is not this 
spiritual awakening. The point mm -hmm. is your brain is being trained over and over and over, just like you train a dog or just like you lift weights at the gym to when it starts to wander, come back to the present moment very quickly. So yeah. what mindfulness and meditation do for trauma specifically is they help with recovering from those triggers. They make it faster, they make it easier so that your brain is used to coming back to the now that's actually happening as opposed to running down trauma lane and thinking about all the horrible things that happened to you in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's another one that I highly recommend. Um, and then we talked about dance movement therapy. Trauma-sensitive yoga is a huge yeah, one of my favorites. I've done that. Yes, mm -hmm. you have. Yeah. yeah. What's your experience been with it? Has it been good for you? Yeah, it was. I went a couple of years ago and I went to an actual practitioner who had studied like trauma-based yoga therapies and had one-on-one -on -one sessions for her with her. And it was amazing. She um, created for me a Nidra yoga um, recording that I could listen to at home. And it basically would like, walk me through this relaxation state. If, especially if I was like getting very triggered that I could listen to this, that was customized to like my safe space and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And I don't know if you're familiar with yoga Nidra, but it's supposed to like, it's like a 20 minute session, but it gives your body the effects of like a two hour heavy duty nap. Like it just takes you into like such a relaxation and she would really help me to learn like where, again, where I was storing that pent up energy in my body and help me to move it through my body through different yoga movements. She would help give me tools that when I felt like I was being triggered, you know, like oftentimes the way we move our body can help us to move through that very physical response we have to the trauma. And so mm -hmm. I, I thought it was super helpful. I would love to be able to go back again. Like it was just, it was a really good targeted way for me to deal with like the pent up energy and frustration and to kind of get to a different like body level of the trauma again, kind of like you were saying with the dance movement or that sort of thing. Talk therapy is only going to go so far. So much of it is in your body. It was really helpful to move my body. Okay, you guys, I want to tell you about a brand that I have recently found that I sought out and I did my research for and am now absolutely in love with, and that is Patch Aid. You guys, I wanted a different way to be able to access my supplements that I'm taking every day. I was taking so many pills. A lot of my kids won't even take pills. They don't really super love a lot of liquids either. And I was thinking, what other way could we access some supplementation and get great vitamins? and minerals and nutrients into our body without having to just keep ingesting more stuff, which as I was finding out, doesn't even always get absorbed all that well. Well, I heard about transdermal supplementation, where you put the supplementation right on your skin and your skin absorbs it. Our skin is an amazing absorber, you guys, and it has the ability to actually take in supplements much more effectively and use them in your body. And you don't have to worry about things like making sure you eat a meal before you take the supplement so your stomach doesn't get upset and all of that kind of thing. It just is able to access and utilize the nutrients in the best 
way possible. So that's exactly what Patch Aid does. They have these little patches that you can put anywhere on your skin where you don't have a lot of hair. A lot of times I'll put them on my ankle or my stomach or the inside of my arm. And I get all kinds of different supplementation from these. I have used their vitamin C, which is a really high dose vitamin C, which I really appreciate. The Patch Aid patches I found from my research had higher amounts of the supplement than pretty much any other supplementation patch brand on the market. I've gotten D, Omegas. I've tried their Focus and Clarity, and I really like it. And I also am using their Relax and Unwind, and it is just helping to take the edge off of all of the stress that I've been dealing with lately. And I don't want to go through the day without them. I am in love with these patches. I've also been able to use them on my kids really easily, which has been awesome. And then to top it all off, you guys, they are the most economical brand on the market. When you get a subscription to PatchAid, you're going to be paying about one third the price of other companies because they don't waste money on a bunch of marketing and crazy packaging. They just give you the goods and they give you the highest doses that you can get available. I can't say enough good things about how much I legitimately love PatchAid. So you can go and get a subscription to PatchAid and they are going to give you like 48% off of their original price. But if you just want to give them a try, you can also use my code to get 30% off and see if you like them. So shop through my link, which is patchaid.com slash MKK15. And you can either get their amazing subscription price or you can just give them a try and get that 30% off. And thank you so much for shopping through my affiliate link when you do your shopping with PatchAid, which again is patchaid.com slash MKK15. I so appreciate when you support the partners that I am working with and it helps to keep the lights on around here. So thank you so much. Give PatchAid a try at patchaid.com slash MKK15. Yeah, that's what I was going to open this discussion of this therapy with is that it is very somatic. It is movement-based. And so it does touch on that bodily level of trauma. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's really special about trauma-sensitive yoga for particularly people who have survived some sort of interpersonal assault, whether that's domestic abuse or a sexual assault or a car accident or a mugging or something in which their body was taken advantage of in a way that they did not give consent for. Mm -hmm. What trauma-sensitive yoga can do is help rebuild that bridge of trust between the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in those types of traumas and in other types of traumas as well, trauma-sensitive yoga can be awesome for so many different things, but specifically for those types of traumas, the brain and the body disconnect. There's a level of dissociation there where the brain and the body, they don't trust each other anymore. There's no communication. They don't understand what each other needs. And so what trauma-sensitive yoga can do is it provides an opportunity for those two parts, your brain and your body, to work together again. And the mind can say, okay, my body's telling me this. Okay. This is a space where I can listen to that. And the body can learn, okay, the brain is listening to me. And again, it's just like, I'm going to use the dog training example again, because it's very applicable, but you know, it brings those two pieces together and really builds that bridge back between the two. One thing that's special about trauma sensitive yoga, as opposed to other types of yoga as well, is that there's always the opportunity of an opt out. Oftentimes in traditional yoga, like if you go to a hot yoga class or something like that, 
it's going to be more along the lines of, okay, we're in this pose and now we're going to move to this pose. And the instructor might come along and help adjust you to get you into that pose better. With trauma sensitive yoga, there's none of that. There's no touching unless you specifically ask for that level of support. There's always an opportunity for you to say, okay, we're going to go into this form. Or if you need, you can do this instead. Or if you want, you can get up and leave the room. You don't have to be here. That yeah. opportunity of choice, again, helps build that trust with yourself back because you're mm -hmm. listening to yourself and you're saying, okay, what do I need right now? And then there's the space for you to actually act on that um, and, and honor that decision that your body and your mind are telling you that you need in that moment. Yeah. So highly recommend trauma-sensitive yoga. The one thing I will say about trauma-sensitive yoga, and it sounds like you did a great job of this, is just be very careful who you work with and yeah. make sure that the person you're working with, this goes for all therapies, but specifically sure. for yoga, Make sure that the person you're working with really does have a background in mental health and trauma and that level of support. So yeah. I would recommend starting with the trauma piece and finding someone who does trauma-sensitive yoga, as opposed to just calling a bunch of yoga studios yeah. and saying, hey, do you offer a trauma-sensitive class? Because as we've talked about, when you start to heal, you have no idea what's going to come up. And having someone in that space that can really hold that space for you and help you through that process is really important, not only for the success of your healing, but for the safety of your healing as well. Absolutely. Because it really is, it's not just yoga. Like you're just average yoga instructor is right. not trained in this. Like the gal that I went to had had so much specific training in PTSD, in trauma. And that was really the center that we were working from. It, it's a very different thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Now for people who like animals, two of the therapies that are out there that are options for you are equine assisted therapy and canine assisted therapy. Equine assisted therapy, there are two main models. There's the EGALA model, which is E-A-G-A-L-A. -A -A. And then there's the EPONA model, which is E-P-O-N-A. And they're slightly different, but they're both forms of equine assisted therapy. So the EGALA model uses a lot of metaphors and movement of the scene in front of you, which includes horses and props and the landscapes to move through different parts of your story, looking at the relationships, looking at the speed of movement, looking at how you would like your story to play out, looking at the interactions between the horses and how they mimic your interactions with your trauma and the people in your lives. So it's a lot of that metaphoric work in the EGALA model of therapy. Mm -hmm. And then the EPONA model of therapy is a lot of movement and mindfulness-based activities. So you could do a mindfulness activity with the horse, like grooming it. You could do some simple stretching with the horse. There are occasionally some basic riding exercises. And I don't mean like galloping across the field or anything like that. Yeah. It would be more like sitting on top of the horse and feeling it breathe underneath you or sitting up really tall and strong to feel more powerful and more grounded when you're atop a horse and things like that. So mm -hmm. don't worry if you don't know how to ride a horse, you don't yeah. need to know how to do that for equine assisted therapy. But if I had to pick a favorite therapy out of my book, it would probably be equine assisted therapy. Really? It would. Yeah. I mean, I'm a horsey person, so that kind of helps, but <laughs> Some of the powers of equine assisted therapy are absolutely incredible. And some of the stories are phenomenal. So as one example, this is an equine assisted therapy facility that I interviewed for my book. This woman was telling me about someone who just came onto the farm one day. She didn't have an appointment. She wasn't a client. She just showed up and she was standing in a field with a horse. And one of the therapists came out and was like, oh, hi, you know, how you doing? So they started talking and this horse came up to this woman and like nibbled her arm a little bit. And the woman's like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. And then the horse kind of did a lap around the field and came back and like chomped on her arm a little bit harder. And the woman's like, wow, he really loves me. 
And then the horse did another lap around the field, came back and bit this woman's arm, like oh my hard goodness. bite this woman's arm. And uh, the woman was like, ow, that hurts. And then through that sequence of, oh my gosh, so cute. Wow, he really loves me. Oh my gosh, that hurts. She drew parallels between that interaction and her own abusive relationship that she was in. And that was the gateway for her to start talking to the therapist that was there about her problems. So she didn't even come there for therapy. This horse had no idea what her problems were, but they are just so freaking intuitive and can sense so many things that it gave her this interaction that was the door she needed to start moving through the healing process from her relationship. And that's just one of many stories, but there are so many like that that are incredible. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Intense. Yeah. I don't want to get bit. <laughs> the person's arm didn't fall off. It wasn't yeah. that bad, but it was just, it was the progression, right? Yeah, and there's, yeah. there's so many stories like that. And I think one of the reasons that horses are so powerful for trauma healing is they are examples of what a prey animal in a hypervigilant, but also grounded state looks like. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that the prey part, horses are prey animals. They are not predators. So yeah. they have to be aware of their surroundings at all times. Yeah. Trauma survivors as humans kind of act like prey sometimes where they yeah. have to be aware of their surroundings at all times. For humans, that can often turn into hypervigilance where we're terrified all the time and we think yeah. everything is a danger. With horses, they are very aware at all times, but they're also grounded. They don't have yeah. this high level of anxiety at all times. So not only can they relate to trauma survivors, but they also can serve as a good example of yeah. how to move through that level of awareness. So they're incredible. I could talk about them for a very long time. But that's one option for people who are interested in some sort of animal-assisted therapy. And then canine-assisted therapy is the other main option. So this is one of the more common therapies on this list as well, next to EMDR. And usually what this looks like is your therapist who works in some form of talk therapy will have their therapy dog with them in office to help mm-hmm. with the therapy process. So not only is does this help make therapy more approachable, because not only are you talking to a human and that can be kind of scary because they can judge you and who knows what they're thinking, but you're also talking to a dog and you can pet yeah. the dog and you can groom the dog and you can do breathing exercises with the dog. And so again, they can serve as that bridge to help make therapy more approachable and help kind of start that discussion. The other thing with canine assisted therapy is that for a lot of people, me included, it's a lot easier to talk to the dog or about the dog than it is to talk to a person or about yourself. Mm. So I don't know about you, but if I go to a party, I am the one in the corner talking to the dog and not (laughs) talking to all the people. So canine assisted therapy works really well for me. But for example, you know, if you come in to the therapy, the therapist's office, and there's a therapy dog there, it's a lot easier to start talking about, well, my dog was attacked um, Mm. and he was bit by another bigger dog. And that was really scary. Oh yeah. How did your dog feel? And then that starts to become a parallel for, Hey, I was mugged and it was really scary and start to work through it that way as well. So Mm -hmm. those are are great options. There's tons of of people that practice canine assisted therapy, as well as organizations that offer just therapy dog meet and greets that can be a great bridge to that level of healing as well. So those are great options for people who like animals and want to work in that space. Yeah. Those are all really good options. I think especially like having it be within a controlled situation, because sometimes when you just try to bring a dog like into your life is like, Oh, this is going to be my emotional support animal. 
speaking from personal experience, it can actually be more stressful because it was just like adding one more thing into my life. But I think if I had done it in a way that was as a part of therapy, it is much more effective. Mm -hmm. That's actually a really good point to bring up because there's a lot going on with um, emotional support animals right now. And a lot of people that are maybe kind of misusing what they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of clarify that for everyone, a therapy dog is a dog that has extensive training in therapy work. My dog yeah. and I are actually training to be a therapy dog team. And I can say from firsthand experience, there's a lot of training that goes into yeah. that. It's not just, oh, my dog likes people and then we're good enough. So much work goes into that. Um, and they are handled by someone that is not the trauma survivor. So in the essence of canine assisted therapy, it is the therapist's dog. It goes home yeah. with the therapist and it sees multiple people throughout the day. Yeah. An emotional support animal is a pet whose presence makes you feel better. They don't require yeah. any level of special training and they live with the person who's struggling, whether that's depression, anxiety, trauma, whatever that is. They have some special privileges in that they can ride in the cabin of airplanes and they can live in any sort of government funded housing without, you know, even ones that don't technically allow dogs and things yeah. like that. Uh, but they are not trained necessarily to perform any specific task. Yeah. The third group of working dogs in this space are service dogs. Service dogs are trained to provide a specific service to a person with a specific disorder. Could be PTSD, could be epilepsy, could be so many different things. Yeah. That dog goes with that person 100% of the time in every publicly available space. The only reason they could be asked to leave a space is if they are aggressive towards other people or if they are not potty trained. But other than that, they get to go everywhere with their handler and they are not considered pets. They're considered working animals because they're yeah. always performing that job. Yeah. So just to clear that up, because I think a lot of people like yeah. to slap some labels on dogs that are not necessarily accurate. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I agree. I think that's a really good distinction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then for the last two therapies on my list, and for the record, there are so many other types of natural and integrative therapies out there, but these are the ones that I found to be most interesting, most supported by research and things like that. But mm -hmm. the last two are more nature-based. So we have ecotherapy and we have flower essence therapy. Hmm. Ecotherapy uses the power of nature for healing. And there are so many studies out there about the amazing powers that nature has in terms of decreasing symptoms of PTSD, anxiety, and depression, improving social interaction, giving you a spiritual connection, modeling healthy relationships, as well as so many physiological um, observed differences, things like lowered cortisol levels. They can help with diabetes. They can help with extending your average lifespan. There's so many things that nature can help with. And when you're you doing ecotherapy, you are just tapping into that power of healing and combining it with traditional therapy. So it could look like going on a walk through the woods. It could look like sitting in a park. It could look like a multi-day backcountry adventure. It could even look like indoor ecotherapy, which is kind of oxymoronic, but it does exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are working with a therapist in that space, but it's kind of like you have two therapists. You have nature with its healing powers, and you also have your human therapist that is working with you on a more one-to-one -one level. Hmm. So ecotherapy therapy is incredible as well. I'm, I'm a nature nerd too. So I think that that's one of my favorites on the list too. And then flower essence therapy is to be very honest, something that is new in the United States. It's much more common in places like Spain and some places in central and South America. Um, it is incorporated into standard healthcare in places like Switzerland as well. So hmm. it's coming to the U S slowly, but it's not quite here yet. So if people haven't heard of it, or maybe are skeptical of it, 
just look internationally for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> a couple years, it'll get over here. Yeah. So what flower essence therapy does is it uses plants' ability to resonate with the body and it through a process that we don't have to get into the alchemy of it, but these essences are drawn from the flowers through the imprinting of the flower petals on spring water set at a certain degree under the sun. There's a whole thing. But what these flower essences do is they help release some of the top level coping mechanisms and trauma symptoms so that more energy and attention can actually be devoted to healing the trauma that's underneath. Mm. So for example, someone who is very angry and they're very critical and they're just super mad all the time, that could absolutely be a symptom of trauma or a way that they're coping with those uncomfortable feelings of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so with the right combination of flower essences, they could release that anger and then actually have the opportunity to look at what's going on underneath instead of just being so angry all the time. Mm, yeah. The other, the other thing with flower essences is there's something called rescue remedies, which is a common, it's a small bottle. That's a combination yeah. of five different flower essences. Have you heard of them? I've, yeah, I've used it before. Perfect. Yeah. Well, for people that haven't rescue remedies are, you know, personalized bottles that you can take in acute situations. So flashbacks, panic attacks, triggers, and things like that to help kind of deescalate that situation and bring you back down to a more neutral state. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there's been some great studies with rescue remedies as well too, looking at, uh, you know, the increased response time in order to come down from a trigger and the negative affect after the trigger has been released with some flower essence therapy work. So lots of great things there, but, uh, yeah, those are two options for people that really want to tap into the nature healing side of things. I love that. I think there's so many different modalities that we have been able to just hit on today. I think that hopefully it's expanded people's understanding of what trauma looks like and how it affects us. And then hopefully some ideas for how they can maybe acknowledge that they have trauma and then start to work through it or find, you know, something that's going to work for them. And I, I love that about all of these options. Like if you are not a canine person, you don't have to be like, that's not the only way to work through this. And I think it's also important. Like you were saying, you've tried so many different things. I've tried a lot of different things. Like it's, it's good and it's healthy. And I think it's helpful to layer a lot of different types of therapy and a lot of different ways of helping ourselves to cope and work through something because everything kind of hits on different parts of what you're dealing with. And so there's lots of different options and lots of combinations of ways that you can help work yourself through this trauma. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And branching off of that, you know, I think a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to try therapy and they go and they don't like it and they never go back. And I'm pointing at yeah. myself as an example yeah. for this, but that's not necessarily something that you can get right on the first try. Yeah. So if you try a therapist and you're like, you know what, this person is really not it for me. I don't want you to chalk that up to therapy isn't for me. Yeah. It's just that one person. Or maybe you try a model of therapy, like trauma-sensitive yoga, and you're like, mm, not working for me. I don't like it. Go try something else. There's yeah, so many exactly. options and there's so many people out there that have different energies and different therapeutic styles. There is someone out there for everyone. And I don't want anyone to give up on getting professional support yeah. on their healing journey just because they didn't get it right on the first time. I completely agree. And, and it, there's just, you just don't know what's going to work right for you until you start trying some different things. You've got to, you know, interview people, like think of it as you're hiring this person to work for you. And so you have to find someone who is going to be a good fit and you have to find a process that's a good fit for you too. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That reminds me, I was looking for a therapist once because it is an interview process. You have yeah. to talk to so many different people and read up on their bios and hunt them down on LinkedIn and things like that. Yeah. But uh, I was, I was talking to one therapist before I found the one that I was, that I'm working with now. And uh, she wasn't really answering my questions. She wasn't telling me any information about her background. And I was just not really getting the right vibe from her. And so I didn't end up going with her. And that's not to say that she is a bad therapist, but this is just to say that if you're someone who's looking for a therapist, the first person you call and who picks up the phone doesn't necessarily have to be the right person for you. If they take a week to get back to you after you call them for the first time, probably not the right fit for you. If they're not willing to share, oh, these are the models of therapy that I use. And this is where I study these types of things probably not the right fit for you. And that's okay if it takes you some phone calls to find someone who is a good fit. I completely agree. I think that's a great, great piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jesse, this has been packed with so much information and I'm sure your book is even more dense. So could you just tell everybody again, the name of your book and where they can find it? And we will have all that information in the show notes as well. Absolutely. And yeah, this was a 100% a crash course. Yeah. <laughs> a ton of information coming at you guys very, very quickly. So I would love if you take the opportunity to dive more into these, uh, read the research, read the interviews um, that I have in my book. So my book is called How to Heal. Uh, subtitle is A Practical Guide to Nine Natural Therapies You Can Use to Release Your Trauma. The subtitle is kind of a mouthful. So if you just Google <laughs> How to Heal Jesse Buyer or on Amazon, How to Heal Jesse Buyer, my book will pop up, uh, paperback, ebook, whatever you prefer. Would love for you guys to get your hands on that and really find a path to healing that's going to work well for you. Yeah. And I'm trying to convince her to do an audiobook too. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. You, you were like, can you just do this real quick? And I'm like, it yeah. is on my list, but it's like currently number seven on my list. Yeah. A couple other things out first. So stay tuned, everyone. Oh, I know it's not just like a do it real quick. I have having done them. I know it's not a do it real quick, but <laughs> I think it would be worth it. And I think you've got great information. So I can't wait for you to come out with that um, method of people being able to get it as well. Okay. Absolutely. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yes. Hit me with them. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Paper. City or country? Country for sure. Okay. Paper or digital? For what? Anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a hard one. Some people uh, divide di- it up and they're like okay. planning, digital, books, paper, or whatever. Okay. If I could divide it up, I'm going to go books digital because I travel a lot. And so I want to have my books with me easily Mm -hmm. Uh, for like brainstorming stuff. Definitely going to have to be paper or whiteboard or something that I can actually like write and mind map on. Yeah. Okay. I like that answer. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? I want to go in the store to try it on, but I don't want to wait in line. So I go try it on and then order it online. Ah, interesting. (laughs) That's an interesting combination of delayed gratification. (laughs) I'm impressed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It is whatever time you are making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Music. And what kind of music would you turn to? If I needed a mental break, I would probably go some country playlist that I can just kind of have on in the background. If I'm looking for hype up, I'll go for like, I don't even know what it's called, but like really empowering, like the score. I don't know if you listen to the score, uh, but empowering, like knockdown doors type of music that hypes me up. (laughs) All right. Okay. Chocolate, milk or dark? Milk. Okay. Sports or no sports? Uh, Playing sports, but I'm not interested in watching them. Okay. 
live broadcasting, would you rather broadcast or watch? Uh, broadcast. Okay. And what is your favorite movie? Oh, goodness gracious. I know it's um, a hard question. <laughs> so I don't know if this says good or bad things about me, but the first three that popped into my mind were all Disney movies from my childhood. Okay. So um, I will throw out Finding Nemo has been a long-term favorite. And then also the movie Spirit because I sob every time that I watch it. All right. Okay. And last question. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you on the spectrum? Um, oh gosh, I think I'm like a solid six. Okay. I am not someone like what is yeah, thank you. When it's winter, I am not shaving every inch of my legs. I'm sorry. Like there's just way better things I could do with my time. But I also like a um nice non-crunchy look when I'm out in public. Yeah. Okay. That's that's totally reasonable. I like your answer. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jesse. It was such an interesting conversation and I just hope that it gets people thinking like that's, that was really, I think it's going to be a catalyst for a lot of conversations and I can't wait to dive into your book because I think it's got even more goodness in store. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, this conversation was absolutely a fire hose in the face of information. Yeah. <laughs> and I really just hope that it opened people's eyes so that they can say, oh, Maybe there's something else out there. Maybe yeah. I can actually start to work through this and then take some time, digest this episode, go read my book and then come back and say, okay, cool. Now I know what I'm going to do and take those next steps forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a ton of fun. Yep. <laughs> Bye. you guys like jesse said that was a bit of a fire hose episode a lot of information coming at you if you want any of the details or where to find any of the things that we talked about on this episode you can head to today's show notes you can find them at mckenziecoppa.com and click on podcast or you can just swipe up and read the show notes in whatever app you are using to listen to the podcast I'm also getting more on top of sending out links and everything that we have been talking about within the Live Well community in my weekly newsletter called Well Anyway. You can find that at mckenziecoppa.substack.com. I would love for you to subscribe and join the conversation. That's one of the things that I love about Substack is it doesn't just have to be from me to you. It is a very back and forth and communal platform where we can all chat together about the things that are affecting us and how we are choosing to live well anyway in the chaos of life. So come join that Live Well Anyway community over there. And then if you want to take it a step deeper and you really want to get in with other women who are doing their best to live well anyway, even when life throws a lot of curveballs, even when we're all dealing with our own things all the time, but you want to come together with other women who are determined to make the most of life to enjoy it, to be on top of things as much as they can, but have a ton of grace and have a lot of fun, then you're going to want to come over and join us in Patreon. I do live videos four days a week in Patreon because we just love hanging out together. We love chatting. We talk about all kinds of things. Like recently we did a fall reset where we worked our way through our houses and our digital lives and our plans for our kids chores and all of that kind of thing. And we worked through them to get them all set up so that we are ready to go for the holidays to hit. 
and we've cleared out a lot of things in our lives. We do a lot of these kinds of challenges all the time, plus we just have a ton of fun together, and I would love to have you be a part of that community. You can get in on those live videos and the Facebook community that we have for just $5 a month. You can spend more than that on one cup of coffee at Starbucks, but for just $5, you can join this amazing community and get daily inspiration and fun and community and accountability and come over and join us over there. So go to patreon.com slash live well together. We would love to have you be a part of the community, get in, meet all of us and just join the conversation. Okay. That's patreon.com slash live well together. All right, you guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, being loyal listeners and subscribing and sharing the show with your friends. It means so much to me and it helps us to continue to be successful over here. I really can't thank you enough when you do that and you shop through our partners and all of that kind of thing. It truly makes such a difference. Next week, I will be back with Shell Bruises again. It's been a while since I've had her on the show, but we are going to do a really fun Christmas gift guide episode. I can't wait to be bringing that to you next week. I will also be having links on Instagram because now I have a link feature and I'm so excited. So you're going to be finding a lot of things that we are using during the holidays and gifts that we are giving. So you can head over to my Instagram at Mackenzie Coppa to easily be able to get those things. But of course, make sure you're subscribed so you can hear next week's episode with Shell Bruises. Until then, you guys, I hope you have a wonderful week and go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.